0: so blessed by a team of people in this church one morning i counted 20 i think 23 or 25 people were active before the service even started to make things happen so just want to acknowledge people who do that and thank you for your hard work we're going to pray now as a church and then we're going to get into the sermon together father thank you for your goodness to us thank you for your grace thank you for your love Thank you for the truth of that song, that your name is blessed. Whether things are going well or whether things are, be- are tough, you are unchanging. Thank you that you are our rock. Thank you that you are that rock this week for Sergio Montoro and his family as they've had the funeral of his mum. Thank you that you have been that, the rock for Stuart this week as he led a funeral Thank you that you have been the rock this week for people in this church who are going through illness and injury and pain. Thank you that you've been the rock for those who have celebrated great things this week. Thank you that you've been the rock for those who have looked to share the name of Jesus with loved ones. Thank you that you have been the rock for our brothers and sisters around the world who are persecuted this day for knowing Jesus. Thank you for being the rock. For Graham Martin, as he's been to PNG and had safely returned. Thank you that even though our world does not acknowledge Jesus, you are the one who sustains this world. Lord, thank you that you've given us your word. Thank you that you are our rock, you are our Saviour and our Lord. Thank you for the reminder of that this morning with communion. Father, thank you for the noise of children as they go to learn about Jesus. Oh, Father, we have so much to be grateful for. And in the stillness of this moment, we just say thank you. Thank you for your word that tells us, be still and know that I am God. And so, Father, today we ask your blessing upon our time around your word together. We thank you that you love us, that you care for us, and that you still speak to your people today. In Jesus' name. Amen. We're starting a new series today called I'm Done. So often I hear it from other people and I say it. Catherine reckons it's one of those phrases I say a lot when I'm tired and a bit cranky. I'm done. and She'll say, what are you done with? I'm done. Yeah, but what are you done with? I don't know, everything. I'm done with this conversation right now. That's always a dumb thing to say. I've learnt that now, but I still... I'm done. I'm done with marriage. I'm done with kids. I'm done with work. I'm done with church. Next week, we're going to have Jeff preach on I'm done with church. And even this week, I met another lady who is not connected with church at all, Who, and the reason she's not connected with church is she got burnt, she got hurt, that old familiar story, and she's done with church. She's done. Statistically, and the reason I've asked Jeff to preach on it next week is statistically, Jeff should no longer be in church. Statistically, as a pastor's kid um, uh, and a kid of someone who's planted and someone who's planting, he should no longer be in church. There are so many times in life when we are just ready to say, I'm done. I've had it. And we think that... God is so far off, and in the Christian tradition that I grew up in, more often than not, when when I went to church, I would hear of God and I would hear these great theological truths, and that was awesome, but they had no relevance to where I was. And if we think that that's who our God is, that He is some sort of far off person who at one point came and died for us, but now He just truth bombs us, then we have missed who God is. God cares for us deeply. And one of my heroes in the Bible is a prophet named Elijah. He is the Indiana Jones of the Bible. Like, this guy is awesome. He is a rugged, manly man. You can just imagine him with the fedora on, probably a whip. I imagine him with a whip, though the Bible doesn't say he has one. But in my mind, he has one. And he's always got a cool quip to say at the end of every adventure. And this guy is the the quintessential, I'm going to push through, and yet... One of the reasons why Elijah is one of my favourite people in the Bible is he gets to a point of saying, I'm done. And that's what we're going to look at today. And we're going to look at what God does in that moment with Elijah. And there are some principles for us today which just remind us again that God cares about the whole person. Jesus didn't just come to die for the soul. Jesus came and is redeeming all things. And one day when we die and we get to see Jesus and he comes again, we're going to be given new bodies. Jesus cares about the whole person. He cares about our day to day. So let's look at what happened with Elijah and then we're going to see what God does. And Just a little bit of background to where this, just before this story. Uh, If you get a chance, read uh, 1 Kings chapter 18 because it's a mighty passage where Elijah as the prophet of God comes up against hundreds of prophets of the false idol Baal and they build these altars and the deal is that each group are going to ask for fire from heaven to come and hit the, the altar and the prophets of Baal, they're slashing themselves, they're crying out. There, and Elijah's, Elijah's just taunting them. At one point, Elijah says, hey, maybe yell louder. I think Baal's on the toilet. Like, he is an awesome guy. He like, And then he finally prays and God sends fire from heaven. This is a guy that had been fed by ravens. And straight after this, the battle that I just mentioned where fire comes from heaven, there is a point where the king is in his chariot and he's going along. And in my mind, I'm imagining that a king's chariot is pretty fast, right? Elijah outruns the chariot. Well, that is mad. I'm just imagining, you know, Ahab's going along in his chariot. I guess that's what you do when you're in a chariot. And he's going along and Elijah's doing these ones. (laughs) Hey, see you later, king. And he says, in all this power of God, this monumental moment of God, this victory of God, and yet Ahab's wife Jezebel, who was a God hating person, this is what happens Ahab, the king, told Jezebel everything that Elijah had done how he had killed all the prophets with the sword. So Jezebel, this God-hating queen, sent a messenger to Elijah, the prophet of God, saying, may the gods punish me and do so severely if I don't make your life like the life of one of them by this time tomorrow. And in my mind, I'm thinking, Elijah, uh, Indiana Jones of the Bible is going to go, whatever, did you not just see what God did with the fire? I just outran your husband in his chariot. What are you going to do? Bring it on. Let's go. And yet this is what happens with Elijah. Elijah became afraid and he immediately ran for his life. When he came to Beersheba that belonged to Judah, he left. His, so he's gone internationally. He has crossed borders. He left his servant there. But he went on a day's journey into the wilderness. He sat down under a broom tree and prayed that he might die. He said, I've had enough, I'm done. Lord, take my life, for I'm no better than my father's. Then he lay down and slept under the broom tree. And suddenly an angel touched him. The angel told him, Get up and eat. Then he looked, and there at his head was a loaf of bread baked over hot stones, yum, and a jug of water. Maybe a bit of jam. And so he ate and drank and lay down again. Then the angel of the Lord returned for a second time and touched him. He said, get up and eat or the journey will be too much for you. So he got up, ate and drank. Then on the strength from that food, he walked 40 days and 40 nights to Horeb, the mountain of God. He entered a cave there and spent the night. Suddenly the word of the Lord came to him and he said to him, what are you doing here, Elijah? Most times when I've heard uh, First Kings chapter nineteen, preached on, people preach on what comes after this, when God appears before, or comes before Elijah in the mountain and in a still small voice, but we don't often come to this passage. What it tells me is there are times when we feel done, that have nothing to do with being defeated. Sometimes we feel done because we've gone through a terrible situation, when we are we we've just been defeated at life things have come against us and it's just gotten hard but I think more often for me at least in my life and probably for you because I think most of us are the same in this more often than not the reason we find ourselves in a hole is because we dug it the reason we find ourselves in a hole is because we dug the hole and Elijah is just plain exhausted How do we know he's exhausted? Well, first of all, he says in verse 3, I'm all alone. You ever felt like that? I'm all alone. He wasn't alone. In fact, if you look in that passage, he was with his assistant. He got rid of his assistant and then goes, oh, and I'm all alone. You just got rid of your assistant. You don't get to say I'm all alone if you're the one who told your assistant to go away. But when we're in that, I'm done, don't you just feel alone? No one understands. I'm all alone. And then verse 3, he runs for his life and yet he asks to die. He's not thinking clearly. The humanity of this man in in the triumphal moment when he should have been riding high, he is done. And verse 5, he lays under a tree and says, I am done. He's done with the mission. He's done with Israel. He's done with people. He's done with life. He's done. And it's not because he was defeated, it's because I think he's exhausted. And a really good friend of mine, Richard, who was a pastor, I remember him telling me that when he he burnt out, and he said the reason he burnt out was not because ministry was a failure, in fact he was a pastor of a church that was growing by something like 20% a year. Like it was overwhelming for him. And he got to a point, he was telling me the story that one day after like the fourth service of the day, or however many services they had, he was literally stacking chairs. And as he stacked one of the chairs, he put it on top of the other and said, that's it, I'm done. The next night he went to a pastoral team, an elders meeting and said, by the way, I'll resign, I'm done. And th- this week I heard of another pastor, an important pastor, i mean everyone in the kingdom is important but there was this pastor in brisbane who is important in terms of the church he leads and the prominence they have and he leads a church of thousands of people where people are looking there and he resigned this week because of burnout and i'm thinking how did we get to a point in the christian church where burnout is a badge of honor like if i go to a pastor's thing honestly it's like everyone compares, when did you have your burnout? And if you say, I haven't had one yet, they all laugh knowledgeably. like, oh, 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 it's coming. Yeah, thanks for that. That's awesome. And Stuart, who's like an old pastor, <laughs> he said to me once, you will find whenever you go around other pastors, talking about burnout is as though it's a badge of honour. You don't have to be in failure to be exhausted. And before God corrects Elijah in the second part of this chapter, where he says, You're not alone, I've spared all these people for, for me, and all that, the first thing God does with Elijah is he meets him where he is at and deals with his physical needs. He, uh, he sends an angel to help, he's not alone anymore. He sends food, he gives him sleep, and not, not only once, but he does it twice. He goes through this cycle of the angel coming, food being given, and sleep. And that is all before God comes. Yet, so often in the Christian life, what we do is we truth bomb people. You just need to know more of Jesus. Bam! No, you just need a good sleep. Before they get to the truth, God gets to the truth bomb, he cares for Elijah. And some years ago, I was in this meeting of a, a guy's a group, and one of the guys was saying. I'm really struggling with my wife. And we're like, oh yeah, how's that go? And he said, We've got five kids under the age, four or five kids under the age of eight. Right. And we've decided uh, to homeschool the oldest two, which is fine. But my wife keeps saying to me, I'm exhausted, and I've had enough, I'm done. And I just and I so I said to her last night, you just need to find your rest in Jesus. And I thought, you sir, are an idiot. No, she didn't need to find her rest in Jesus. She needs you to help. But we so quickly in the Christian world truth bomb people. And truth is important, don't get me wrong, but this is a God who cares about the whole person. And I'm astounded that, if, that God cares so much for Elijah and he cares so much for us that he says, Elijah, you have lost the rhythms of life. And in our modern world today, I think this is where we are now. A friend of mine who's a a psychiatrist, psychologist, either one of those, she was saying to me that the way God has designed society and the world is to be in rhythms, right? And so in the old days, like when Stuart was little, what would happen is before we had electricity, he had a go at me last week, so I'm getting square this week because love keeps no record of wrongs. And before electricity... When the day was coming to an end and the sun was going down, you went to sleep because people couldn't afford oil for the land, right? You went to sleep. Now, it's dark, it's late, and we're doing these ones. When we went on a journey, you were non contactable while you're on that journey. While you're in the car, while you're walking, people could not contact you. Now, and we have these things glued to us. And she said, and I think this is true, Why? because we have to ask ourselves the question, why in our society today that is the most most affluent, most peaceful, most well-fed society in the history of humanity, we have the most sustained period of peace in the history of humanity, why are we so stressed? And I think this lady is right, and we see it with Elijah, that instead of the rhythms of life being like this, we've done this. And yet God has created humanity, he has created the world, nature, with seasons and rhythms. And Elijah, I think, I'm reading a little bit into this passage, I understand that, but I think he's lost rhythms of life and he's exhausted and God comes to him and says, let's get the rhythms of life back in order. And we see in Elijah's life, there are three rhythms that we still need to address today. The first is community. Elijah had dissed community. He was gone alone. We need community. God said of Adam, it is not good for the man to be alone. We need people. That's why church is important. It's why life groups are important. It's why, particularly men, we need other men. Instead of soldiering on and going it alone, you and I are not Elijah. And if we were, we're probably going to end up like this, under a broom tree going, I'm done. Men, we we are terrible at this. I don't know ladies so much. I think ladies are better at this than men, but dudes, come on. We We don't do community. Honest, real, transparent, authentic community. That's the first one he gives him. The second rhythm is food and healthy food. We live in a society that is addicted to sugar. I am addicted to sugar. I'm trying to deal with it. With all my jokes about chocolate, it's not good. And for for Elijah, he has starved himself. In our society, we are going the other way. And there is a rhythm of food and not eating and exercise. That in our society, we've just lost the rhythm this week, uh, over in America, Kellogg's released a new cereal aimed at children called Baby Shark. Don't sing that song, <laughs> anyone. And the Baby Shark cereal is Fruit Loops, but wait, with an addition, more sugar. Yay! Let's get them addicted young. We are losing rhythm. I'm not saying chocolate, chocolate isn't good occasionally but we've lost the rhythms of life we are the most obese health driven poorly like society again in the history when we live in one of the countries the only four countries in the world that if we had no trade with any other country we have enough food in this country to be self-sustaining and yet the rhythms of life are gone and then the third one which I think is the most important today in our society is the rhythm of sleep and rest. Apple has introduced an app for that on our phones now. I think the Apple phones are part of the problem. Turn it off. Sleep and rest and you and not just sleep and rest but then after you have rested get busy doing something. Do something. It's not good for us to rest and not do anything, to be slothful. The Bible says, heal, will not work, will not eat. Get up, work, contribute, be a part of something, be a part of community. And you may think, Mark, this isn't very theologically minded this morning. Well, it is actually because the theological point of this passage is God cares about the whole person. But we in the Baptist world, Planet Baptist, have often seemed to think that God only cares about the spirit. God cares about the whole person. He wants us to live lives that reflect, I think, the rhythms of Eden. Not the rhythms of 21st century Australia. And that when we start to live with these rhythms, where we put boundaries around life and we say, you know what, I don't check my phone after 9 o'clock at night it actually speaks something to the world around us that we are living by a different set of priorities. I don't need to know what's happening on Instagram at 11.30 at night because my identity is not found there. I want to sleep so that the next morning I get up and I'm ready to go for the Lord. Because every day this body, this time that he gives me, the money that he gives me is all given to me to be a steward for God. And yet if we were to leave it at that, we would still miss the the big point of this, is that after he has got uh, Elijah back into a healthy place, then, verse 9, the word of the Lord came to him and he said to him, what are you doing here, Elijah? See, this isn't some self-help, get yourself into a good rhythm sermon. This is about the whole of life. And after Elijah has got himself well, And rested. Then the word of the Lord comes to him and says, Elijah, you're not alone. You've never been alone. I am still God. And of all the rhythms we have in life, I still think the most important is coming under the word of God regularly. Jesus said, Man cannot live by bread alone. I'd give it a fair crack, but no one can live by bread alone. There are four rhythms in this passage. Community, food, sleep and rest, and God's word. And I just wanted to share with you this very practical today because I think many of us find ourselves in situations where we say, I'm done. I think probably 90% of those situations are ones that we've got ourselves into. I know there are many people here who are feeling done because you're facing incredible obstacles. I'm not talking about those. Though even then, the rhythms are important. See, the mistake we make is we get ourselves into a healthy rhythm and it's good, and then life circumstances change and we think somehow we're going to maintain that same rhythm like kids come along and you think, nah, the rhythm changes. Nor do we ever find this point of equilibrium where instead of being like this, we find a nice middle point and we just stay there. That's not normal. Constantly, life is about listening to the Spirit and finding the rhythms. And one of the uh, rhythms that I've got that I've implemented over the last year in my life, and I wanted to share it with you this morning, and some of you are going to think that's a bit kooky, but that's okay, you can think I'm kooky, is this one. Each morning, I get up, I try to get up before everyone else in the house so that I've got time to myself. And after I've read the scriptures, whatever my Bible reading is for the day, this is the chair. I brought it from home. This is my chair. The kids know when I am in this chair, leave me alone. I will only be a few minutes. Wesley's mum, uh, Wesley, who used to write a lot of hymns, she used to have an apron and she would put the apron over her head. And the kids knew, don't disturb mum when she's got the apron over her head. Otherwise, there will be consequences. You find your way. This is mine. And after I've read the Bible looked at the prayer list and looked at my day. I then sit for five minutes. I have a timer. And as I breathe in, I say the words, thank you, Jesus, because every breath is a gift from God. And as I breathe out, I say, I trust you, Jesus, because none of us is guaranteed the next one. And then as all the issues of the day, all the stuff I've got coming on, all the stuff that happened yesterday flood through my mind, I try to recalibrate each of those things with, thank you, Jesus. I trust you, Jesus. And my mind gets interrupted and and I, I start to think about other stuff and I think, oh, I should write that down and I try to leave that and just, thank you, Jesus. I trust you, Jesus. And it's in those moments when God speaks to me And he says, when you got angry yesterday, I had that thing, Mark. I was trying to deal with you on that. When you put yourself in a place where I gave you half an hour off because that meeting cancelled and you went and did something else, that was my gift to you to have half an hour off in the middle of your day because I knew what was coming in the afternoon. It's when he says to me, the way you spoke to Catherine yesterday was out of order, you need to say Sorry. In a society where we are stuck to our phones and letting our phones dictate the order of the day, this five minutes for me at the start of the day is pivotal. Catherine reckons she can tell the difference on the days when I've done that or not. Now, I don't know what your rhythm is. You work that out for yourself. That's between you and God. But if we were to come to Scripture and just think the answer to every situation is just know Jesus more. Sometimes the answer is, look at the rhythms of life. And I just was talking to a guy in our church this week who looked at his work situation and said, this work situation is now no longer healthy. It's toxic for me and my family. And he's changed jobs. Sometimes we need to look at the rhythms of life. And I just want to leave this with you really practically today. That God cares about the whole of life. God cares about your body. God cares about your nutrition. God cares about you. He died on a cross to show you how much he loves you. And he didn't just die for your soul. He died so that we will be completely on mission for him. So today I'm just inviting you to do a very simple thing. Choose one of those four rhythms that's on the screen. Rhythms of community, food and health, work and rest, God's word. Choose one rhythm and choose one thing you can do in that rhythm. It takes 66 days for a new, for a new action to become a habit. It took me about three months to do that, right? But that now has become pivotal for me. If you are in a situation today where you are feeling like, I'm done, it may well be that God is saying to you, change your rhythms. I'm waiting for you. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you that you care for the whole of us. Thank you that you care about our nutrition, that you care about our health, that you care about us being in community, that you care about us resting well that you care about us coming to you regularly in the word. And we're sorry for the times we let other uh, priorities take, take precedence and we get out of whack and we just miss the point when all the time you are just simply inviting us, just rest in me, rest. Thank you that Jesus says, all who are weary and heavy laden, come to me and you will find rest. And, Father, in this world where we are trying to run at an heightened place without rhythms, I pray for each of us today, your spirit will be speaking into our lives for that one rhythm that can change, where we can experience that rest. Oh, Lord, thank you for being such a loving God that you care for us so practically and deeply. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.